0: simple really great stories with a good cup of tea it's the tea with mike show please welcome to today's episode of the tea with mike show uh, sabrina samuel uh, who's a cultural anthropologist a yoga teacher artist published poet and founder of the online mental health community at surrenderliving.com welcome to tea with mike sabrina
1: thanks for having me mike
0: no worries. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy you're here too. Obviously, um, we, we connected like numerous years ago. So it's, it's great that I was our, our journeys of both uh, book developed and how uh, they've crossed paths uh, today. And so I'm excited to dive deep into your story. So uh, let's just get going. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up and where you now call home?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up on the prairies, not too far from Red Deer, in a small community called Consort. My whole family immigrated there when I was three years old from Pakistan. And we left Pakistan because of the um, changing sort of political climate. And um, yeah, Um, I've been living on Treaty 6 and 7 here in Red Deer for quite some time. And I... uh, love
0: it here what's your favorite thing about red Deer?
1: oh i don't even have to think about this one this is just hands down three mile bend the trail system outside outside is pretty incredible here
0: so so you like the outdoors uh, the nature what's the best part about uh, being outdoors like do you you find a a connection to uh, the wilderness and how peaceful it can be
1: Absolutely, that's where I, I find my serenity and my calm, and I just feel so connected in nature.
0: Um what was so, what were some of your uh, favorite things to do uh, growing up, and why?
1: Yeah, so I grew up really wild, running wild, you know what I mean? Like, I spent a lot of time on the land, and I think that's why I do have that connection. Um, that outdoor connection because um, it was very sort of idyllic, you know, in many ways. Um, And it was also, you know, like several people's childhoods, very damaging in other ways. Um, But I will say that growing up in a small town, you learn community in a huge, huge way. You learn um, cooperation, right, because there's no getting away from anybody in a small town, right? Like everybody knows your business sometimes before you know your business. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really liked that um, nature animals outside. Um,
0: yeah. Um, um, and what's the? Well, what, what, do you have a favorite animal that you've seen? And um, when you've been out that's outside in the wilderness, so do you even just uh, walking the trails and things like that?
1: So my favourite animal that I've seen in the wild is actually an elephant, and that obviously wasn't walking the trails in the <laughs> uh, But I was in Zambia, in Zimbabwe, just right at the border. You know, I'd been there for two months, and I was like, Dad, I'm not going home until you show me an elephant, so let's go find one. So we went on a little safari, and um, I couldn't speak when I saw it, Mike. Like, I was just, honestly, I, I whoa, you know? And uh, it was it was a beautiful experience.
2: Can you tell us a little bit about your journey, journey kind of through school and what inspired you
0: to study cultural anthropology at university?
2: Yeah.
1: So when I was growing up, we had four magazines that came to our home regularly. And you have to understand, as, as a child growing up in isolation, right, far away from, a lot of things i lived in my head a lot right i and that's where i um, cultivated curated my imagination that's where i saw people like myself um was through books first right and then travel so um these four magazines were time newsweek Macleans, and nat nat geo national geographic and i would always go for that first and it was full of anthropologists and full of um Gorgeous photography that changed my life, you know. And so when I went to school, I also had to reconcile um, this thing about, you know, being an assimilated person in Canada. I was raised by people from another culture, essentially, right? And so um, uh, intellectually, I needed to get my head around that. And I just, I was fascinated by it. Yeah, and I also majored in bar in university. I
0: drank a lot, so. <laughs> a very interesting combination for, for sure. So, so do you? Do, so do you remember specifically how old you were when you uh, kind of discovered the uh, the, uh, the National Geographic cool. magazine?
1: How old I was? Yeah. Oh, I don't even know, Mike. I mean, I just raised with it it felt like it was always around you know um, sometimes they'd be special edition maps uh, I'm not a huge map fan I uh, my geography is not fantastic but um, yeah they're beautiful the orange or, or sorry the yellow magazine spines right
0: yeah but, uh, and, uh, and I know, uh, I know when magazines were more of a thing, even when I, I was younger, and like, if we were going around at uh, WH Smiths in England, um, I'd have a look through the, uh, the magazines. And if it wasn't a sporting magazine that caught my attention, I, the National uh, Geographic um, magazine was definitely up there just because of like, all of the, because it was very visual, there was a lot of colors on it. And um, obviously, because there's a lot, a lot of photography in that magazine and even even the way they designed like the front covers um like like caught my eye so I could see i can, I can see why you you were drawn maybe to that magazine over some other ones
2: yeah today's uh tea fact uh for the episode is there is there
0: is a special name for when tea leaves unkill as hot water is poured over them. It is called The Agony of the Leaves, and this comes from dot com slash dash trivia I love it. It sounds very poetic, Agony of the Leaves, right? You are so, you're so right. I, I, I'm i curious to now go, now that you bring it up, to go Google Agony of the Leaves to see if I can find a poem or... Um, those words used, I guess, in a creative way.
1: Yeah, very thick description there. I love it.
2: So I believe you've traveled uh, to 17
0: uh, countries around the world, which is a lot more than a lot of people. And so um, was it the, uh, the magazine that inspired you to travel at all?
1: was a lot of things you know i my favorite place to be since i was very young was anywhere but here sort of a thing right i have a free soul and i my best memories of childhood were jumping in the station wagon with my family and going on long road trips you know and um yeah it's been an absolute privilege and honor to to visit those places and to learn learn more about people right and and it's interesting, Mike, and I'm sure you know this by having interviewed 130 people now, is that at the core of us, we're all the same. We all have the same human needs, right? Uh, we all want the best for the next generation and for our children. But uh, culture is so it's complex. It's just like human beings, right? So.
0: Exactly. So can you, can you tell us a little bit more about some of your traveling experiences? and and then what you learnt, what you've learned about yourself and then about yourself and then also and then the communities around the world from uh, the, these traveling experiences
1: i would say probably the best thing about travel that was my favorite form it still is my favorite form of education is um, you know shared humanity basically sort of what I was just saying. And um, because I have that connection to outside the way that I do, I love visiting um, beautiful places, you know, and being landlocked. My eldest nephew, Aidan, says that I'm a flatlander (laughs) from, you know, (laughs) right? Um, I, I have a fascination with water, too. Falling water, particularly the night sky. Um, the ocean, right? Um, Yeah.
0: Can you you name some of the countries that you've been to?
1: Yeah, so I've been to Zambia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, I mentioned that and then uh, the subcontinent, so India, Pakistan, of course. Um, And then I've been to Brazil, which was a lot of fun. That's a country that I would certainly visit again and uh, a lot of Europe I've seen and um, I also am very blessed with a uh, intercultural family that's spread throughout the world so we didn't get to see each other a lot growing up which was really unfortunate you know it, it added to my isolation as a kid but I when we do get to spend time it's very special so yeah
0: now, is it a goal of yours to visit every single country in the world?
1: Absolutely not. Auntie's tired. <laughs> 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 and uh, I think, you know, we're living in a different different reality now. And so um, travel is challenging. And, um, you know, it's kind of nice. It gets a chance to rest. get get a chance to stay home. And I've never really been good at staying home. So I'm, I'm working
2: on it. How have your uh, experiences traveling helped you with your understanding of
0: cultural anthropology?
1: Well, that, that is sort of uh, the source, right? Like uh, generally anthropologists, they are a little bit like artists in residence in that they go to specific places in the world and they study and they become part of, of their environment there and you know they learn a lot particularly about different indigenous populations and um, yeah i had a friend who went on to do a master's and phd on, in ethnobotany which is people's studying people's relationships to plants which is fascinating Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I can rightfully call myself an anthropologist, Mike, because I have an undergrad degree. But, you know, it's always been a point of contention for me that teachers have one degree and they get to say I'm a teacher and they go to school and practice teaching and, you know, feel done. Uh, Social sciences is a little different. So generally to practice in the field, you have to have more education.
2: What were some of uh, the most
0: challenging things about uh, being at university, and how did you overcome them?
1: Ooh, now you're getting into a different stage of my life where the wheels completely fell off the bus. (laughs) I'll tell you, so this, I I wanted to show you this teacup, and I have a matching teapot. I'm not a matchy-matchy sort, but I'm like, I'm going on tea with Mike, I better do it upright today. So this is my matching teapot. Wow. the community of Medicine Hat, right? Uh, Everybody in Medicine Hat has Dan Taylor Pottery and a picture of uh, the St. Patrick's Church uh, by a local artist there whose name I'm forgetting. And so I was very impacted by that time in my life and uh, that's when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So it really, I think of all of the trauma that I'd had in my short life, uh, that was the, kind of the pivotal thing that changed everything for me and that happened around my university days so it took a lot of um it took a lot of doing to get through school
0: i bet but you made it i made it so so i guess the fo- the, the follow-up follow-up is knowing all the challenges at the that you went through specifically at university do you remember how you felt uh, when you managed to overcome came these uh, challenges and graduate?
1: I just sort of felt relieved that it was finished and I had a pretty big drug problem at the time also, drugs and alcohol, and so there was a lot of uh, things to unpack and, and things that I needed to change about myself. I had to take a lot of personal accountability and people often think, Mike, that it's one thing that can fix That can fix mental health or that can fix addiction and it's so many things it's a it's an absolute slog every day you gotta get up and grind like everybody knows this right uh it's just a little bit more challenging and a little more nuanced for people
2: okay so on your twitter page because you know when you're doing your research, you, you,
0: you should always look at everything that's out there, to, um, as much as you can see. Uh, you referred to uh, being in the Cooler Ring Society whilst at university. So, could you tell us a little bit more about the society, uh, your involvement in it, and what you learned from the experience of uh, being in this particular society?
1: I was drunk. I don't really know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, the Cooler Ring, I believe, is a undergrad uh, organization. And I, <laughs> I highly encourage you youngsters to, to do these types of things. But uh, maybe maybe sober? I don't know. Just an idea.
0: <laughs> well, what was this society about, though? What, what did you do in this society?
1: Oh, you're just leading leading into all kinds of things I don't know about anymore. My, like, honestly, I will tell you, it was a it, my university career was not good. Right. It was deep challenging and it was a blur. So um, to honestly answer that question, I, I can say I was a member and I was probably very bad at
2: it. <laughs> Let's fast for, uh, forward a little bit. So can you uh,
0: tell us a bit about your journey from uh, leaving university uh, to uh, publishing uh, She Was the Book, uh, which, to my understanding, it was a fundraiser for the Central Alberta Sexual Assault Center, and then kind of the inspiration behind uh, choosing this particular charity.
1: Yeah, so the book is called She Was, and the reason that I titled it She Was, which is a little bit... I mean, it shows my age, right? That I put a pronoun right in the title. Um, I am trying to stay hip to language. I never wanna be one of those um, people that ages and can't can't be malleable, right? Uh, to new language and to new social constructs because I think your generation is kicking ass. Like you really are like, I'm so proud of you. And I think that, um, I think you'll be fine. There's definitely different things to work out. You have different challenges than we do, but uh, it'll be good. So the reason that she was is called She Was is because five years ago, I lost, well, almost six now, I lost my mother, my beloved mother, Dorothy. And the most beautiful question people can ask me about either of my parents, Dorothy or Julian, who who passed away when I was in university, uh, is what were they like? What was she like? What was he like? And here's the answer. She was, right? It's, you don't have to lose somebody in life to honor them. And all of these poems sort of honor the fact that I grew up in community, that I have aunties around me and and friends around me. And yeah, it's like a a party in a book. It's it's my best people, right? And um, the connection to the sexual assault center It was a fundraiser for the Sexual Violence Awareness Month. And that's something that I have experienced. And I went to talk to them about it and they really helped me through, right? And so I really wanted to give back there. And when I went to them and approached them with the concept, they said, okay, Sabrina, you know, we are funded heavily by the government and this is such a touchy topic that people don't like to associate their name to it so we don't really get too many third-party fundraising kind of things are coming our way. So um, I thought, oh boy, like, so basically I'm, I'm raising funds and raising awareness for something that's very, very um, hard to talk about, you know, um, which, which I, I think um, it did take its toll on me
0: but it was really, really beneficial to my healing. So, yeah. So, so it sounds like you grew, uh, drew a lot of uh, s- s- strength from the, the partnership and uh, the collaboration, even though it was on a very difficult subject.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. There's great people there. So if anybody's listening to this and they need help, I highly recommend Getting it from the Central Alberta Sexual Assault Support Center, which actually serves the entire region, right? Not just Red Deer.
0: Oh, yeah. oh, so so it covers a lot of like rural towns too.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. So I'm curious to know what poets do you admire and
0: why.
1: So I, the first poet that I loved was Hafiz and he's like a Persian, Persian poet and it's so deep and so, so very mystical kind of language. And I really like that um, higher power soul connection kind of thing and I really, he's got it, right? Hands down, he's got it. So uh, Rumi also huge that way. And uh, I sort of cut my teeth on Wordsworth and um, yeah, my dad always encouraged poetry in me and um, I have loved it and it's so fringe right like it's it's obviously picking up steam now with Manda Gorman at the inauguration and like lots of, of young activists and artists coming up but um, it, it's still like <laughs> poets are like still on the fringes of, of writing right like the writing circles they're super weird a lot of poets are totally out there and I love that
0: so so, so so one of my um, things that I discovered if you're talking about if we're talking about a uh, discovery is when I was at the Edmonton fringe I was working at a venue that had had a spoken word uh, poet and I and I didn't actually know what a uh, spoken word uh, poetry was at that time but then and the, and the and I listened to this guy on like, my multiple occasions in my the first two to three times, it was like, it didn't make sense at all. It was just a, a bunch of words. But, but then when I started, like, think on the fourth go like, when I was listening carefully to the words and uh, the, the meaning behind each of them and, and their connections and, and, and the story and the message, it, was like, it, it left me with goosebumps. So from hearing it the first time to hearing it the fourth time, like, how I interpreted uh, the words and the poetry through the delivery and the expression... all the different parts of poetic performance which we'll get to in a little bit it was just mind-blowing to be honest
1: yeah it's so beautiful spoken word really really touches the heart and and um yeah there it's i'm learning more about it i'm not really a spoken word kind of gal i prefer hearing other people read my poems but oh okay uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely like need to become more confident with it and explore spoken word more because it, it's neat.
0: Yeah. Um, Very impactful. And often, uh, not trying to uh, generalize too much, but, uh, and this can be goes more broadly even to entertainment and performance. So as some of the best uh, performance or, or delivery of anything is it uh, can come from those people that may have uh, experienced like what they're what what they're speaking to or what they're performing to because they they have that context in, in obviously a slightly different way
1: absolutely yeah and not you know a lot of people say they, they don't get it so to speak they don't always understand poetry but the nice thing about art and abstraction in sometimes is that it touches your subconscious touches parts of your soul and your subtle body that maybe you couldn't get to otherwise and um that to me is is really quite
2: sweet what was some of the most challenging or what was the most challenging thing about writing the
0: poems for she was and what was the message that you wanted to deliver through them
1: I want women to feel qualified. I want women to understand how great they are. And I hope that through through this book of poetry that I've honored them, but also portrayed them with a level of humanity that keeps it real sort of a thing. You know what I mean? Like it's not all rainbows and <laughs> butterflies in here. The experience of being a woman is,
2: uh, it's deeply challenging, so, yeah. So I know, uh, recently, um, you performed
0: some of the, uh, the poems from she was at heritage ranch in Red Deer. So, so what was, let's start with what were the most challenge, what was the most challenging part about kind of uh, performing your poems in front of a live audience?
1: I would say it's a level of feeling exposed that I haven't had, not even over Zoom, right? Because there's an energetic exchange in, in real life, that, right? And so, yeah, like I, <laughs> when I'm on Zoom and I'm I'm reading a poem or when I'm recording a poem, I don't get as much understanding of what it does to other people, whereas in real life, you so yeah, and I feel like it's a lot of time with um, self-promotion, like. And you understand this as someone who's trying to build a community around you, and you're doing a fantastic job. By the way, I, I thank you. Yeah, I I think it's incredible, and I want you to continue. And they can't wait to see what your future holds. Um, but yeah, it's it's deeply challenging. <laughs>
0: times, you know. So, so, do you, now, 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 which part was it, was it, was it the memorization of what you were performing or was it kind of reading people's body language and expression? And, and, and that's a very difficult thing because like, whatever they, they're appearing might not actually be how, how, how they're feeling as they as a watch watch this performance, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's it's um, sort of a poetry. Generally, when it's performed, is not performed into well. Yeah, it's not performed to an audience of thousands, right? Like music, music is poetry. Is is more of a micro experience. It's 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 very vulnerable. Yeah, yeah.
0: So I, so I know uh, the Edmonton fringe went out for the Spokewood poetry. It was like no more than seventy people, right? Yeah. And, and it was in a very long, narrow, rectangular room, like, and it was very, very like mood lighting because it was in a restaurant, right? And 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 stuff. So. So I have to say
1: yeah. I went. I went to the Velvet Olive, and they have like. Um, an open mic, and a lot of people do poetry there, and and I was really impressed by it. And I think these spaces, we're going to see more and more of them now.
0: And that's great. Oh, yeah. In a lot of ways, if we're obviously specifically talking about poetry, I I feel like having three or four places where you can uh, perform, but. but they're in a very small and intimate setting. I, I, I think that's a lot more uh, powerful in terms of emotion and connection and all the different things that make up poetry.
2: Yeah,
1: I'd have to agree with you.
0: And so uh, the big question is, is this is this something that you do again, perform in front of an audience?
1: Yeah, yeah, I would do that. And I sort of feel... Mike, that i'm scratching the surface like I've, I've been part of a poetry group that used to shout poetry at each other um and drink at a pub called the ship and anchor in calgary on 17th avenue and um it was so much fun but i just didn't have the confidence ever to step into it right like with my own work or i barely ever read at, at drunken poets it's called the drunken Poets society <laughs> um, or it is called that. And um, I think they're getting back to it now. Now since the the pandemic has sort of changed. But yeah, I think that more and more people should put themselves out there with their art, right? Like I think you, if one thing that I've learned throughout the covid era is that you can't, have any song left in your heart to sing, you gotta sing it. Just go for it, right? What you're doing, you're really, really going for it. And um, whether or not it works, whether or not it lands on people, whether or not the response and reaction of people is what your expectation was, there's a lot of artists in this world that just need to make something. They need to lodge their, hopes and their dreams and their creative self-expression somewhere somehow and if they don't do it you can see what that does to them mm, I... really, it really hurts right to to be unable to express yourself and to you know have unfulfilled dreams it's like
0: i don't know yeah even as you uh, you were speaking there that uh... I was thinking kid of a few people at night, like, they've got oodles and oodles of uh, talent and they just they just need to like put it out more to the world. But it, but but it, but but with also with respect to it's hard, you know, to uh, do, find something firstly that you're passionate about and then be having the confidence to uh, put it out there, even if it feels like nobody's listening, especially in the present. Because it, it, might be, it might be huge in 30 years, but especially when you first starting it off, off, there's a lot of self-doubt and you're like, why am I doing this?
1: Yeah, and, and it's kind of nice to push through that fear. It's very relieving in a way, liberating.
0: And so I was going to ask, how did you get the opportunity uh, to perform at, at Heritage Ranch? How did that kind of come about?
1: Yeah, so how did that come about? I approached Joel Martins there who um, runs the Westlake Grill, and um, he was so game for it. And it was lovely, Mike, because um, they were hiring, and so I have a little day job too, which is a part-time situation there. And I've, I really loved sort of um, this concept of like, you know, we have to fuel our creativity, but not at the expense of, um, uh, living our lives, right? Like, it's really important to be able to hustle and I've always had that. I've always been quite resourceful and had several ways to, to, um, side hustle or, you know, like when I'm not
0: completely yeah, for well. sure, To I support spent, your passion.
1: I supported my passion and pivoted and, and that's really necessary. Like it's, um, you never know what life's gonna throw at you. So, and it's kind of cool, because it's, they're doing so many neat things there right now. And, and also, like, I have a history in event management, as you know, and, um, and I have the opportunity to do a little bit more there with that. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: That's Yeah, no, that, uh, I think that's what some people forget sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes a job there's a whole lot more to certain jobs if you look a little uh, deeper into it it's not just you're serving people food there's potentially like other opportunities within that right
1: oh yeah 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 absolutely and when you go out into your community like um it's incredible the conversations the people like the connections and the um opportunities that you've come it's nice And I've done that too with my Optimists, who I really wanted to mention, because we did a a fundraiser for the period promise, and that was for gender equity, putting um, menstrual hygiene products into the schools for free. And um, that's pretty revolutionary stuff here, and I'm really, really grateful to have been a part of that, and I love my Optimists. They're all about education, and... um,
0: Equality
1: for women through education, right? So, yeah. Well, good. Um,
0: this is the big rally cry for them. <laughs> no, absolutely. And good for you and, and all the other people out there that give up their time to support ed, different
2: causes that they're passionate about.
1: Thanks, Mike.
2: What do you find the, the, the most rewarding about volunteering?
1: I guess, um, being a woman in recovery, I've, uh, now been a long time since I was in those university days, drinking my face off and (laughs) wrecking my life and my body. So, um, I would say like the orientation that I've always had is towards service. And this was drilled into me at the beginning, you know, like to get out of the cell, the disease of yourself, which essentially addiction is you need to focus on others and, uh, and do good for them. So it's really like, it's all about community. And I can't stress that enough. And being an artist and being just a natural isolator,
2: it's, it's even harder. It's even harder for me to reach for that. So um, yeah. And so uh, obviously, in your bio, uh, you kind of mentioned as uh, Sur- surrender
0: living at uh, the online mental health community the uh, you've as uh, started so can you can you as uh, tell us a little bit about how your own journey inspired you to start this and then how you hope that uh, surrender living uh, can help others
1: so if i had if i have one wish for surrender living it's that it would um, provide a place to land for former versions of myself so you know, that vulnerable girl that was, had nowhere to go, um, and nowhere to put her grief in, in university days. Um, I I would wish for her to find us and to, um, be able to heal. It's really, really necessary to have that uh, community connection. And, um, yeah, COVID just changed everything for me. It it really made me reevaluate my life completely differently, and, and uh, we gotta get after this thing. You're you're young, you know, like you you got your whole world ahead of you, and you're doing it. And I really really want to encourage everyone to um, to go for it because there's so much pain in the world. There's so much pain in the world, and there's a lot of things that you cannot change at all
0: which i'm realizing the 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 ball that i live life right
1: yeah but there's so many things that you can get a hold of if you just can like i really just want to shine the light now into people and so that they can see their their goodness and their greatness and uh draw it out because that's that's the power of community right absolutely I was there, I was in that hole. I'm going to jump down with you and, and show you
0: the way out. Nice. Uh, and so and so um, how do you do this practically? Is it like an online safe space for open communication chat? Is it is it is it face to face? Is it Zoom calls? Is it text? Like what are some of the delivery?
1: The delivery methods? Yeah. Yes. So, um, I ran my first women's group, um, and I'm running another one in the fall. So if anyone's interested in that, I'm also trying to do, a, like, one-day retreats before summer ends. It's really it's coming to a close here, though. Like, I feel like I can't believe it's half over already. It's just, whoo, whipped by, right? Um, and, yeah, I it's really, really necessary for me to also know my limits I jump down rabbit holes, and right now I'm just so much focused on on putting my work out into the world. She was work, and um, it's very time consuming. It's a lot of negotiating, um, you know, different different things with um, places to carry the book and um, ways to keep it fresh and keep it keep it out there and the events. Right? It's yeah, a lot of moving parts. So that's kind of where I am with it. I definitely want to continue with the online stuff, but I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm a little, I'm a little zoomed out. Like I've kind of hit my, my limit for somebody that is, um, you know, living her life. I've lived my life online for the last couple of years. Right. And right. It's, it's very, very draining. I would okay. say. And
0: so, and so you're probably looking forward to as much as possible, uh, like reconnecting with nature and getting outside and hopefully, hopefully spending time uh, uh, with people that are important to you. Is that is that accurate? That's 100% accurate. Uh, nice for sure. And so, so, for, so, for, so for me, it's uh, the same way. It's like, as much as I'm an advocate for digital, it's like, how can I also protect my mental health and switch it off and like, build those physical relationships as well as add the digital relationships.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's a fine balance for sure. I'm grateful for technology because without it, it would have been really, really hard here. It would have been, been really sort of um, isolating. There's the type of solitude, you know, that oils your spirit shines it
0: up and there's a type that decays it and so good to know the difference and also yeah and just uh, finding the balance and
2: the balance looks different for everybody doesn't it
1: yeah it really does
2: okay so um obviously by now we're establishing the uh, the the the, the, you're
0: very busy you you do a lot of uh, different types of things and so Another thing that you do is to my understanding is a, you're a qualified yoga teacher. Is that correct? I'm
1: terrible at it. Shh, I'm terrible but, you're, at it.
0: but you're qualified. You're a qualified but, yoga teacher.
1: I, I definitely, um, you know, everything in life requires a lot of um, repetition to get good at it. You know, Robert Charmer says you need 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. That's a lot of time. So for somebody that likes to flit around and do this, that, and the other, it's really hard for me to stay focused on, on my practice and it comes and it goes, but I definitely think Mike, that, um, the world needs more yoga and it needs yoga on the mat and it needs yoga off the mat. And I won't get into the, all of that, but it, um, it has informed my life in a great way. And I feel better when I do it. And I feel, feel better when I'm in it. So.
0: Nice. Okay. So, I've, n- I've never uh, tr- tried uh, yoga, but I, uh, like you were just alluding to, I believe that like yoga practice is obviously good for uh, your mental health. So when did you kind of first start practicing uh, yoga? And, and then additionally, uh, what inspired you to become a yoga teacher?
1: So yeah, about like, I want to say nine years ago, maybe eight, nine years ago, I, I began in the Vikram practice and that, um was 40 degree heat, 40% humidity, an hour and a half long, 90 minute class, you know, um, very basic postures. That's, it's considered beginner yoga, although some of that stuff is really hatha, long holds. There's all different kinds of yoga, but that was what I started in. And um, and then the the classes that I took to become an instructor were very, very traditional. And I was on a Vedic diet. Uh, sorry, Satvik diet the whole time I was there, and I was crying because I was basically detoxing from sugar and caffeine and Oof. you know, the whole time. It was, it was, yeah, it was very good for me.
0: And what would you say to, uh, to someone thinking about taking up yoga? How could it possibly uh, benefit them?
1: Do it, do it, do it for sure. Even that mindfulness coming in coming into yourself coming into your body even as i'm doing it I'm, I'm expanding my breath right now as i'm talking to you just thinking about it and um yeah your mind is so much on your side but it it is a monkey right like it needs to be tamed the mind and um the best way to do that is through uh, awareness consciousness meditation yoga breath all that
0: in in your experience why do you think uh, maybe so, some people are afraid to uh, to try yoga especially men
1: yeah yeah so i would say like they're afraid of looking silly and um like my anatomy is very funny i'll show you so this is my arm straight like see how it goes like yes. that it's almost like they're screwed on wrong like it's <laughs> <and, laughs> And I'm extremely inflexible. So I look ridiculous doing yoga. And I didn't like downward dog. And luckily, the Bikram practice had no downward dogs in it whatsoever. But um, yoga is for everybody, every, every type of person. And everyone can get something out of it. And I really highly suggest six classes. And if you don't like the first one, try a different kind with a different instructor. Because it's a whole different experience and um keep an open mind see see how it goes you know and it's it's kind of countercultural in that you know we're in north america where drive 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 get get it done energy efficiency let's go right and uh yoga is not that at all it's it's uh the path of least resistance kind of thing so
0: yeah and so i yeah and so as you were as you were talking i was Uh, And thinking thinking about uh, going to the gym, you know, for like a lot of my, when I was in school, a lot of my friends like worked out uh, that I I always like kind of uh, dismissed it because I was kind of intimidated uh, by it. And I wasn't fat, so I didn't necessarily feel the urge to uh, to change that. But uh, more recently, as I've learned more about life, I realized how beneficial um go to the, the the gym is so because I, and because I need accountability I I invested in a, a personal trainer who's a, 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 amazing but an effort oh. af- yeah yeah so so I've been doing that for like uh, six months and uh, uh, just really working on my just trying to feel better overall as a, a person so one of the things I learned was you shouldn't go to the gym and look at somebody else because everybody starts at a, a different place, right?
1: 100%. And also, I sort of feel like what you're doing is the right thing. It's getting help. Getting help is the right thing always. It doesn't matter if it's physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, whatever it is. got to find your comfort. Find your comfort with the coach. Find your comfort with a group of people and just
2: stick with it that's
0: and that's the this part sticking with it like even though weeks where you got low energy you know it's great on the weeks where you're like yes let's do this but the weeks where you like maybe you've been busy every day since you last went to the gym and it's right? and it catches up to you but you still you need to push yourself over the line because you'll totally feel better afterwards
1: i feel like there's a level of um relaxation my nervous system gets jacked really easily especially with grief and loss that's changed my nervous system and um that lives inside you inside your body right so the level of relaxation that i get from doing yoga I, i can't get it from any any other form of exercise and so
2: that's what takes me back to my mat Besides yoga, what what do you kind of do on
0: a daily basis to look after your physical and um, mental well-being?
1: I walk. I have a forest at the end of my street. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I walk, and there's a beautiful flight of stairs there and a river view, and um, yeah, I'm I'm really fortunate that way. And I I think it's really good for people um, like myself with my type of constitution to have that repetitive um motion whatever it is so yeah
0: it helps me yeah. and, and you go walking every day regardless of the, of the weather
1: well th- that heat wave really set me back Mike that was really difficult in the end I felt it you know I, I felt um completely different when I didn't do my daily walk but yeah I, I am pretty pretty good about it that is something and and that's another thing too about um uh living living well living an, a good sober life a, a good life um in recovery managing my mental health it's um it's day to day it's one day at a time right like it's all we have is today today's a mini life yeah
2: so keep it simple right exactly. And so what's kind of next uh, for you both uh, personally and professionally?
1: So for myself, I definitely want to stay in the, the writing world. And, you know, that's that's a roll of the dice. That's 100% roll of the dice. And I know that I can only go to a certain point with that on my own. And like you, too, I mean, you're key with Mike, but I'm sure that you've you sought outside help. You've got whoever you you need to move forward, right? And um, I'm I'm just sort of in the process of finding those people, and I'd really like to get published. That would be um, probably the next steps, and get get my work um, out into the world. And some artists they don't care, you know, like they'll, And for many years I didn't care. Like I I have. Books of poetry that are never going to be seen, and that's not what they're for. They're not meant for human consumption. They were—they're were meant for me, right? To help, help me. Um, but now, I want to share, and so I'm gonna try and find as many avenues as I can to continue in that. And i, I definitely, Mike. I always wanted more education,
2: so yeah. That's a—that um, sounds exciting. And so I'm very excited to ask you kind of the final
0: question of the show because I know you have a very rich um, story of both highs and lows. So what's the the one piece of advice that you'd like to pass on uh, to somebody uh, listening to this uh, podcast episode?
1: I'd say don't ever give up on yourself. You know, don't ever give up on yourself. Don't ever compare your outsides to your insides. And may the force be with you because, you know, great things great things can happen and your life can look completely different if you are in a valley right now. It can look completely different in six months, three months, you know, whatever. Find those people. Find those people that have what you want and ask them how they did it and go get it because it's yours, you know? Your yes,
0: yeah, for sure. And, uh, and you touch on a great uh, point about learning from others like the the purely simply isn't enough time to know absolutely everything so you're right it's about finding those people that uh, believe in your vision or those people that uh, that you can turn to to ask a question because you know they've already experienced experienced it
1: yeah and the authenticity authenticity too like i've spent so much time in my life wasted hiding who i am hiding my everything about myself, hiding my mental illness, hiding my sexuality, hiding, um, my ethnicity and, um, I'm done, like I'm done doing that because, um, it doesn't serve, it doesn't serve the world. It doesn't serve, um, my spirit to do that. And, uh, you know, here I am. So I really encourage, and I know that your generation is much better at, at the ownership of self. That authenticity, and I, I, really highly encourage
0: everyone to be who they are. Awesome, and thank you so much uh, for being on episode one hundred and thirty of the Tea with Mike show.
1: You're, you're a darling, and I do hope that um, you have continued success in all that you do, and that um, our conversation helps someone that's listening. You know, I'm
0: sure. I'm sure. Uh, well, we've touched on a lot of. Uh, powerful at uh, uh, topics today. So, ah, oh, uh, you, 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 you 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 may not know to uh, tomorrow, but it, but it may be in three years, someone may get in touch with you on on like how listening to this or anything else that you've uh, put out that so far has impacted them or uh, to us or, or has helped them through a challenge or a struggle. Yeah, for
2: sure. Thank if you. It,
0: Mike. Yeah, you're welcome. Alright guys, this was episode 130 uh, of the Tea with Mike show uh, with uh, Sabrina Samuels. I really hope you guys uh, enjoyed uh, this episode of the show. It's the Tea with Mike show.